This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. We met it. We actually bought my dream home with cash in February. We moved in in February of this year. Yeah, that I can tell you right now, that was probably one of the most emotional days of my life. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to bring you another Best of MKM episode. This week, I'm going to be sharing a conversation I had in 2020 with Kamiko Love, also known as the Budget Mom. We talked about the importance of sticking to a budget and how that helped her go from a broke single mom to a mortgage-free millionaire. Without further delay, let's jump into today's show. To help us become successful budgeters, I've invited Kamiko Love on the show today. After paying off $77,000 of debt in eight months by creating her own unique budgeting solution, Kamiko, also known as the Budget Mom, is determined to help others do the same. She's been featured in major media outlet sources like Good Morning America, CNBC, and People. When Kamiko isn't helping people win with budgeting, she loves spending time with her son, James. Welcome to the show, Kamiko. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about your story a little bit. What led you to accumulating $77,000 worth of debt? Yeah, you know, I'm actually one of those stories where I had to pay off my debt twice. (laughs) So I had debt while I was married and while I was going through school. I was in a pretty bad motorcycle accident in 2011 with, you know, left me in medical debt. When I was married, I actually paid off all of my credit card debt. I paid off my car. I paid off my medical debt. And then the unexpected happened. You know, I went through a divorce and a lot of the bad spending triggers, a lot of emotional issues that I was dealing with caused me to rack up my credit cards. And I think too, you know, I wasn't fully financially prepared for such a huge life event. So I was dependent on debt to find my own place for me and my son to basically start my life over. I don't think anyone's really fully prepared for some an event such as divorce, and I definitely wasn't. So that's the debt that I ended up paying off later in my life. And that's really, you know, when I started sharing my debt payoff journey with the world. That must have been a really tough time, especially with that separation and then trying to figure out how to not only eliminate the debt, but then work on a single income at that time. What were you doing for a living to kind of make ends meet? So in the beginning, while I was married and while I graduated college, I was actually working in the finance industry. I was working at a financial advisory firm, and that's the first job I actually got when I graduated college. So that's what I was doing for my day job. And then a little bit later down the road, I was essentially working, you know, two jobs. One was my day job and the other was my passion, which I really did treat it much like a business and a job. I was very dedicated to it. So that's how I got through. Got it. Was the business that we're talking about today the Budget Mom? 
It is. Yes. That's great. Well, hey, side hustling and then creating your own business. That's a great way to bring in extra money. And especially if you've got a mountain of debt that you're trying to get out of. So let's talk about some of the first steps that you took when you assessed the 77,000 or your mountain of debt and saying, okay, here's the first thing I'm going to do to, to get rid of it. What did you do in the beginning? You know, it's funny. I graduated with a finance degree. And personal finance was not something that I learned about. (laughs) The first time anyone ever asked me to create my own budget was when my financial advisor sat me down. He was also my boss at the time. No one in my life ever asked me to do that. The first step for me was basically winging it. You know, I, I thought in my head it was just writing down some numbers on a piece of paper and then flying by the seat of your pants and hoping you can stick to them month to month. I started with Excel because in my mind, I thought that would be easier. But I also started, you know, trying to do the same things I did in the past when I paid off my debt the first time. And I realized really quickly that I did not learn anything when I paid off my debt the first time when I was married. I was simply just making the debt payments, but I didn't learn any of the financial management skills that I needed to be successful in the future. The first step that I took was writing things down onto, you know, a piece of paper and then in Excel. And then really looking at the big debt picture that I had accumulated. So when you did that, that was your maybe epiphany moment when you actually saw the real numbers. Is that right? Yeah, it was. You know, it's so funny because when we have debt, we think, you know, we tell ourselves, well, we're making the minimum debt payments. We're fine. Right. That's all I saw. You know, $100 every month, $40 every month minimum payment. That's not too bad. I was the type of girl where... I didn't look at it, so therefore I didn't have to worry about it. It wasn't until I had to write down all of my debt onto a piece of paper where it was like a slap in the face moment for me. Like, oh my gosh, this is really, really bad. And then I got really sad because I realized that if I stayed where I was, the future that I envisioned with my son would not be possible. And that's really what lit a fire under me. Yeah, it helps to have motivation, right? It helps to have that that boy in your life to say, this is the life I want for them. What were some of those big dreams that you had floating in your head for you and your son that kept you motivated? You know, I always thought about little, you know, small things like one day my son asking me to help buy his first car, helping him move into his first apartment, being able to help him go to college. You know, I always wanted to buy a home to have a place that me and my son could call our own and really make memories here, have him grow up in a, in a home that's ours. It's funny because when you asked me that, I didn't just think about these this future that I wanted with my son. I actually envisioned it. I could see it. I could hear it. I could feel it. And that's ultimately, like you said, what kept me motivated and really, you know, solidified that giving up was not an option. That's beautiful. I love that. So, well, let's talk about the action steps that you then took. You had the motivation. Now let's talk about the actions. What did you do to either increase your income or lower your expenses during this time to crush that debt? Well, really, you know, I started with learning a bunch of different budgeting methods. I failed pretty much at every single one. I was horrible. And I quickly realized that there's not a one size fits all approach to finances and the budgeting. And so I really learned to figure out what worked for me as an individual and what didn't. In the very beginning, I actually looked at, it's really hard to increase income when you're a single mom because childcare expenses are so outrageous that it's almost not worth it to go to a second job. 
but it's also hard as a mom because you have this internal struggle and mom guilt of leaving your child and taking more time away, that quality time that you desire to go out and make more money because you know it will give you something better. So I look for ways in my life, hobbies. What are the things that I enjoy doing that I could possibly make money from and not have to pass my son off to someone else and lose that time with him? So I loved photography and I jumped on YouTube and I spent about a month learning everything I could about photography and I started doing real estate photography. I would tote my, you know, two-year-old son with me on the weekends and we would go shoot houses. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was the first time that I was able to make significant extra debt payments. It showed me that there was hope. And in fact, I tried starting a photography business with that. It was my first failed business attempt. Today, I don't look at it as a failure though. I look, I look at it as a learning experience, but that's ultimately what I did. I looked for things that I enjoyed doing that would have value in someone else's life, an opportunity to bring, for me to bring in extra income. Seeking out things that you have passion around or skills around already is a great way to increase your income. How about on the expenses side? Did you do anything once you put together that budget to tighten things up a bit? Yes. I realized very quickly that the food budget is the silent killer of finances. And this is what I found out. The reason that is and the way and the reason I say that is because food is a necessity that very quickly turns into a want. Okay, how many times have we gone to the grocery store and thrown, you know, that six pack of soda in your cart or you go down the snack aisle and you're like, ooh, these look good. It, it very quickly goes from a necessity to a want. So that's the first area of my budget that I tackled. And I did that. I was able to cut my food budget in half when I actually put in the effort and attention and the energy into cutting that expense. I started meal planning. I started looking at ways that I could make recipes from the things that I already had at home. I started working and looking at buying brand name versus generic or store brands. Now, you think that that wouldn't make a huge difference, but it did for me because I realized I'm a brand junkie and I naturally gravitate towards the brands that we see as having more quality. And over the years, I learned that that's just not the case. So I, I learned to shop generic brands, store brands, and those are and that's really how I ended up cutting my food budget so drastically. That could have been a few hundred dollars in savings per month. Is that right? For just me and my son, I started with doing about, I was spending about $800 to $900 a month on food. And that's just for me and a little baby, you know, and I got that down to around 400 to $450. Wow. That's a big savings. And that amount of money you could have been making probably with the side hustle almost. It's like a side hustle in itself, but you're just saving the money. Yeah. And I'm able to, to stay home with my son and, and, you know, not have to spend all this extra time outside the house at a second job. That's a really good point. And I think when you hear $900 right now, that probably sounds like a lot to you. But back then when you were spending that, you had the idea of, hey, I'm going to buy the good brands, the quality brands, the brands that are good for me, things like that. But through your discovery, you found out you can have both, right? Right. Yeah. And you know, I looked at every single area of my budget in that way. What are the ways that I could stretch my income, get the most value from the income I have right now that will benefit me the most. So a lot of the time we think of our income as a limitation. 
we're limited by the paycheck and the income we receive. I started looking at it as a resource. This is my resource. I need to make it stretch as much as I can. And the only way to do that is to decrease your spending and to really analyze your expenses. So my food budget was the first. The next one was my clothing. That was a huge one for me. And in fact, to help combat that natural spender in me and some of the emotional issues that was causing me to spend on careless clothes and all this stuff in my closet, I went and did a full year of no new clothes. So that doesn't include, like I still got underwear, socks, the necessities. Other than that, no new clothes. And that really helped me with realizing how to utilize the clothes that I did have in the best way possible. I love that. And we're in a season right now of this recession season. No spend challenges could be really powerful for people. So you talking about that with clothing, people can think about that with their Amazon purchases or, you know, maybe going out to eat, things like that. This is a good time. Besides COVID, this is a good time not to go out to eat. But these are great challenges you could do not only for your health, but also for your finances. So let's talk about how things are different now that you are debt free. What what did you do different when you got to that point of paying off 77,000? How did that change things for you and James? I was able to dream bigger. And what I mean by that is for so long, you know, I've always wanted to own my own home. When I paid off my debt, I realized that owning my own home and doing it with cash was something that was very real and impossibility for me. I don't think I would have had that realization or that confidence to set off on such a huge goal if I wasn't able to look back at what I accomplished with my debt. So it really gave me hope and it gave me the confidence to move forward and to dream bigger. Another thing, it allows me to seize opportunities with my son without relying on money from someone else, without relying on debt to really have the memories that I wanted with him. You know, I can remember we would get home from the park and we would go to McDonald's or he would ask to go to McDonald's and say, mom, can we get a happy meal? I can't tell you how many happy meals I put on my credit card. I literally financed a happy meal because I was afraid of my debit card declining it gave me that freedom of options and how I spend my money and being able to pay for ca- with cash for those, those small things and those small moments that we really take for granted. That's incredible. So where are you in your goal of getting that house in cash? Are you still progressing? Have you met it? We met it. We actually bought my dream home with cash in February. We moved in in February of this year. Yeah, that I can tell you right now that was probably one of the most emotional days of my life, the day that I revealed to my son that I was able to do that for us. He was so excited. And we just have this amazing YouTube video where, you know, we videoed his face and the tears of happiness that he cried when he saw our house for the first time. It was amazing. Yeah. That is incredible. Well, we are all about the mortgage-free life on this show. Once a month, we have people come on and talk about how they paid their mortgage off. You just skipped the mortgage altogether and just got the house. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, being an entrepreneur and owning my own business, 
I knew I did not want a huge mortgage payment over my head. Look, it's scary enough to solely rely on your business alone to feed your child, to put clues on the back, to you know sustain the level of life you want. It's scary knowing that you don't have a normal guaranteed paycheck. That was really scary for me. And I just didn't want debt in the picture hanging over my head because I didn't want that to be a driving force on the decisions I made with my business. So we, we skipped the mortgage. I just said, you know what, I'm going to save, I'm going to do it intensely and I'm going to do it for as long as I can. And we ended up hitting that goal in February. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's talk about some specific advice for people so they can stick to their budget. I know you have a lot of experience with this and you interact with a lot of people online to help them do the same. So let's talk about how people can get that motivation. Let's say there's somebody listening right now and they've got a big amount of debt, maybe $80,000 or even more, but they can't seem to get motivated to crush it. So how do they get motivated to pay off their debt? Really, what it comes down to is you have to have an emotional connection to your financial journey. 
And what I mean by that, you know, a lot of people say emotions and feelings, they don't belong in the world of finance because it causes us to make irrational decisions. I'm a little bit of the opposite. I think it's our emotions and our feelings that drive us on our financial journey. We have to deal with the emotional side of finances before we can ever make true lasting change in our lives. So the first thing to stay motivated is you have to ask yourself, why are you on this journey to be better with your finances, whether it's pay off debt or you have a huge savings goal? There's an underlying reason. It's not just to be better with your finances. There's something deep down in your gut that's pulling you in this direction, that's making you seek this information. I want people to discover that. And I want them to honestly allow themselves to feel everything that comes with. So, you know, my, I call it our why, our financial why. Anytime you feel like you're not motivated, that you're not being dedicated enough, that emotional connection to your why is what's going to drive you. It's going to light a fire under you. It's going to be the reason why you giving up is not an option. You have to discover that for yourself and you have to be very honest about it. That's incredible. You know, there's somebody also listening that's saying, you know what, eight months to pay off $80,000, that is great. You know, she must have done really well with her income. There's going to be other folks that are listening right now. They're like, it's going to take me a lot longer to do my thing than eight months. How do they keep that motivation over a longer period of time to crush their goal? I think, you know, it comes down to many different things. One of the first thing is we got to ditch self-comparison, We have to ditch it out of our lives. It truly is the thief of joy. And for me, I had to look and understand and embrace the fact that my journey was not going to look like everyone else's. In fact, there are going to be a lot of people who didn't understand my decisions. You have to be okay with that. That's the first thing. Get rid of self-comparison. Start focusing on your journey and your journey alone. The second thing is... Make sure you have visual progress in your life, okay? The underlying why will keep you motivated on your journey, but so will also seeing the progress. Get financial trackers in your life. Start embracing coloring, okay? Adult coloring, it's a thing, and it helps on your financial journey. And that way, keep them too. If you, if you hit a major goal, keep that tracker because you can look back on it when you're not feeling like, you know what, I'm just not making any progress. That tracker is going to show you that you are, even though at the time it may seem like it's a really small amount of progress. Yeah, I like that. And you know, also on the motivation side, it could probably help to have either community or another person or accountability partner to help you along the way. And you know, we talked about challenges before. Is that something that people could do with a buddy? Oh, of course. You know, it's the reason I started the budget mom. I never started the budget mom to build a business. In fact, I at the time I had no idea making money from blogging was even a thing. I did it to build a community. And to be honest, you know, being a single mom, it's lonely and it's really sad at times and it can be really discouraging and it can be scary. I didn't have anyone in my life that I could talk to about what I was dealing with with my finances. So I went out searching for people who were like me, who understood how I felt. And as I went searching for them, they were searching for me. And we built this amazing community of just the most supportive, wonderful 
group. In fact, you know, I still hop into TBM family every single day. It is my resource for motivation and dedication. And that's how I dealt with it. I, I went online. That's how I dealt with it. But having someone in your real life, a partner, your husband, your wife, a close friend that you can talk to, maybe have budget parties, goal parties, just any type of conversation that allows you to be really honest about what you're dealing with. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, it's two money nerds talking to each other, but it's important for people to talk about money, be open about it. And because like you said, there's emotions tied to this. It's not just facts and figures. People's emotions are tied to it and their overall well-being, both financially and physical and mental. So you are all about some of these hacks, I think, online to save money. So I know people are always looking to save money when they're making their purchases because people still need to make purchases to live their days. Do you have any, I guess, ways for people to save more money with their typical budget, maybe online or anything like that? Resources such as the online coupon apps. I use Ebates. I love it. I also use Fetch Rewards, which allows you to scan your receipts and and redeem rewards points for gift cards. I use a lot of those different things, but I also, in my day-to-day spending, I also save money by looking at ways to not spend. So I use the cash envelope method And one of the things that I do is I thrive off of challenges. I think it's because I'm a really competitive person, but I, every day I say to myself, okay, let's see if I can just save $10 from my food envelope. I'm just going to stick it over here. So it's not in my eye, in my, you know, I don't see it. I can save it. I do little things like that for myself, but I do take, you know, I do use some of the, you know, Ebates, Fetch Rewards type of things. But I think that that will only get you so far. It really comes down to being intentional with how we spend our money and challenging ourselves to do even better. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's talk a little bit more about this unique budgeting solution that's helped you out a lot and that's helped out a lot of the people in the Budget Mom community. Walk us through how that works. And, you know, I've been a user of Mint for a really long time. Obviously, that's quite different, something digital versus something tangible. Talk to us about how your solution works and why it might be better than something online. Yeah, so I'm a huge believer in pen to paper. And there's a reason for that. Throughout my journey, like I told you, I started with Excel you know, where it calculates all the formulas for you. And what I found was, is I was doing robot work. Okay. I wasn't doing the hard work on actually learning or making my spending real in my life. The problem that I have with something like mint is that it literally does everything for you. You are not forced to actually write it down and accept it. As you're, like it just calculates and does everything for you. There's something that's psychological that happens to us when we bring pen to paper. My system that I use was actually created. It's called the budget by paycheck method. It was created out of all of my failures from my past <laughs> and learning what would make me successful as far as implementing all of these different methods, because I wasn't failing at everything, Right. Maybe that was the mindset I had back then, but I wasn't feeling everything. There was things I was successful at. So I incorporated little snippets of all these different methods, tweaked it and changed it into a way where it's completely customizable for anyone's life, anyone's income. And the budget by paycheck method is still what I used 10 years later. 
That's incredible. Yeah, there's something to physically writing things down and touching the money, especially if it leaves your hands that uh, is a little bit more, like we said, on the emotional side with finances. That makes a lot of sense. So there's somebody listening right now and they are digging this interview. They're digging your story and they're really excited about sticking to their budget. What's the first thing that they should do following this interview if they want to you know, be better at sticking to their budget and eliminate debt in their lives? Financial awareness. You have to grasp that. You've got to get it into your life today. Tracking your spending is a step in the budgeting process that I feel is not talked about enough. It's not taught enough. The importance of that step is not talked about enough. You cannot change what you don't know. And until you know where every dollar in your life is going, you're going to have really hard time creating a realistic budget that works in your life. So the first thing, the moment you get done listening to this podcast, I want you to start tracking your spending. I don't care what, what it's on. I don't care if it's just a blank, you know, torn up notebook. You can do this for free. It's a step that takes, you know, yeah, it's a little bit of work. But the benefits you get from that work and the value you get from it is going to be so worth it. Yeah, I agree. That realization, once you put the numbers down, you have that epiphany moment, and then maybe you find that motivation that would get you inspired to move you forward can mean a lot to your life and, and, and look what it's done for you. So congratulations on your success, Kamiko. Where's the best place for people to connect with you and maybe grab a hold of that budget by paycheck method? Yeah. So, you know, I do a daily video every day on my Instagram. I share my real numbers, my real spending over on Instagram at the budget mom, but we also focus a lot on free resources for readers. You can find all of those free resources on thebudgetmom.com, And we also have a ton of in-depth detailed, helpful videos over on YouTube. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, Kamiko. This is great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Kamiko's story is incredibly inspiring and her advice is helping millions, literally. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Kamiko Love. Number one, ditch self-comparison. It can be easy to get caught up in the comparison game. Why do they have more wealth than I do? How can they go on so many vacations? How in the world can they hit those financial goals before we have? And this constant comparison, it can lead to depression. It can lead to sadness. It can lead to resentment. Instead, as Kamiko said, let's ditch self-comparison and focus on our situation, our goals, and our station in life. And be grateful for what we have. Because everyone's situation is unique. Don't waste your time comparing yourself to others. It's not fair for anyone. Number two. Find your people. If you're working on a goal, a challenge, or even just a lifestyle change, it's important to find your tribe. These are people who are like-minded and supportive instead of critical and judgmental. You can do this with online forums, in-person support groups, coffee chats, just getting together with somebody that's like you for breakfast or something like that. When you have people rooting for you and holding you accountable, you're more likely to succeed. Number three, use the magic of pen to paper. 
I'm all about fintech and apps. You guys hear me do these fintech spotlight segments and feature these great companies. There's also something to just put in pen to paper, right? Kamiko is right. There's something magical about writing it down, seeing it in front of your face, and holding yourself accountable to the real honest math of your financial situation. Because when it's right there in front of you, your financial path becomes a lot clearer. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing today's show and to Weird Digital Marketing for their support on Instagram and YouTube and Mandy Burt for her stellar writing on our blog. Thank you all for your support and partnership and making marriage, kids, and money go. Hey. Before we go for the day, I want to encourage you to send in any questions you have through my fancy pantsy voicemail system. It's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. You can leave a voicemail up to 90 seconds, introduce yourself, provide as much financial information as possible, and you can definitely remain anonymous if you're concerned about that sort of thing. You know, like D from California or Barbara from New York or Dave from Michigan, you got the idea. Just make up a name or you can use your own name and just say where you're from. MarriageKidsAndMoney.com slash voicemail. This is a great way to help people because if you put in your questions, these are real folks that are listening to the show and you might help other people with similar concerns, especially as we're going through some tough financial times right now. People might have similar questions that you have. So send in these questions, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. I'll tackle as many as I can. I hope to hear from you. I hope to help you. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Philippa Sue. Life isn't perfect. Any failures you have are actually learning moments. They teach us how to grow and evolve. Here's to growing and evolving, my friends. Carpe diem. 